Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and welcome to episode 17 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. I am joined by Jill, as always, for our intros. Jill, do you want to give everyone a little bit of information about this episode? Sure. So because it's April and it's National Poetry Month, we decided, um, it was Todd, Annie, and I, to talk about some of our favorite poems and some of our favorite poets. And I was really entertained by this episode. Um, You discussed this a little bit in the actual episode itself, but there's this sometimes negative connotation when it comes to poetry because most people's introductions is in high school and college and you have to overanalyze and look at every single part of a poem and break it down. But you guys did a really wonderful job of discussing poetry and poems and and poets that are out now that are a lot more modern and very approachable. And um, yeah, I think people will be pleasantly surprised uh, like I said, there's a negative connotation. I actually think Todd mentions at one point, it's like, don't turn off the podcast. Yeah, it's like in the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, a few things. One, like I said, I, I love that you actually share some poems that you guys enjoy. Personally, I think Todd has this voice where I would listen to Todd read a phone book. So it was really nice to hear him read a yeah. few poems. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think everyone will really get a new perspective on poetry if they aren't poetry fans. Um, was there anything in particular that you wanted people to kind of look out for or anything you were interested in sharing with everyone about this episode? No, I just hope they kind of keep an open mind um, mm-hmm. listening to the poetry because we do pick a, a big variety of poems and poets and it's probably, um, yeah, like we sort of talk about, not going to be the familiar poetry that they're used to if that's their only exposure was in high school and college classes. So yeah, And there are other book recommendations uh, in this episode. So even if you are absolutely saying, you know, I don't want to listen to poetry, there are a bunch of other book recommendations, as always. And in keeping with our streak, I don't know how many episodes we're at now, but you talk about Ready Player One. I which, uh, obviously, I think yes. people are very aware now. You and I both love that. But um, yeah, so that, that gets talked about a little bit in there. So yeah, um, as always, people can reach us on Twitter and Facebook, and they can email us at feedback at overdrive.com. And then one shameless plug, if you guys do enjoy our podcast, if you wouldn't mind going into iTunes and writing it and giving us some reviews, things like that, that kind of helps bump up the podcast and, and the numbers and things like that. So again, shameless plug, I think we, we made it 17 episodes without asking you guys to so. do that. So <laughs> if you don't mind, that'd be wonderful. Um, anything else you wanted to add? No, I just hope they enjoy the episode. All right. Thanks, guys. And enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 17th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. I'm your host, Jill, and today I have with me Annie and Todd. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Pretty Todd, good. we haven't heard from you for a while. This has been a long time. I was wondering if you're going to invite me back. <laughs> it's Annie's first episode, too. Yay. You excited? Yes. Good. So, as always, what has everybody been reading recently? Uh, well, I'm actually reading three books concurrently at the same time, which uh, I also have a, I have a two-year-old, so that's going really well. <laughs> the, uh, I'm reading this book by Mark Lehner. It's called Gone with the Mind. Um, it is an... I will try very well to describe exactly what this is. It is a fictionalized autobiography of himself. So... 
he wrote a, his autobiography, but it's um, the character named Mark Laner in the book is actually reading the book. What? Yeah. So uh, it all takes place in a food court at a mall in front of a Panda Express, and he's giving a reading of his autobiography. <laughs> okay. I'll let everybody pause for a second. <laughs> so the character Mark Laner is reading his autobiography to a crowd at a reading. Although no one shows up. Um, and it's out front of this Panda Express. And the only people there are two people that work at Panda Express. And his mom, who is there to introduce him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the beginning of the book is actually his mom re- um, giving the introduction. And the introduction is um, how he met, how she met his dad. And then how they fell in love. And how they had a kid. And all that. And that may be a very... Um, nice way of putting all of that. But basically everything leading up to him being born. Got and it. then he starts reading the autobiography. So it's uh it's good. It's he's sort of this like weird uh existential sort of postmodern um absurdist quarter mm-hmm. sort of writer. He has um he has like five other books. Uh, I first heard of him when he wrote um or I I was I think I was born the year this came out, but um the book was called My Cousin, My Gastroenterologist. My Gastroenterologist. Nice. Um, and I'm drawn to anybody who writes about gastroenterology, just for other personal reasons. Um, he also, and then I feel like these titles give away uh, sort of his sense of humor, like what he's doing. So he has a, <laughs> he has my cousin, my gastroenterologist, uh, tooth imprints on a corn dog, and the sugar, the sugar frosted nutsack. Nice. Those are some catchy titles. Yeah, he's he's good at that. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm about like a third of the way in. Okay. It's going good well. so far? Going good so far. Good. Good. Annie, what have you been reading? Um, I'm reading three books as well. Um, well, actually, the first one I'm listening to. Um, and everything, pretty much everything I read is nonfiction. Um, I don't know if I like it better because it's true mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. just more alluring that way. <laughs> but um, I love reading memoirs. So the first one I'm reading is uh, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl by Carrie Bronstein. And she was uh, in the band Slayer Kimmy, mm-hmm. um, the punk, feminist punk rock band. And this is kind of like her um, insider's look into the band and um, everything from her childhood to uh, Portlandia at the end. So right. <laughs> she was um, one of the main stars on that. So that's really good. I'm almost done with that. And then almost identically, I'm reading uh, Girl in a Band by Kim Gordon. Okay. So she was um, the vocalist for Sonic Youth. So she kind of like, I don't know, she kind of helped pave the way for um, Slater Kinney. Right. So they're kind of, they actually reference each other in their (laughs) memoirs. So it's really cool. they kind of feel like the same book sometimes because they're so similar. Right. So I'm like, wait, which one is this? But um, but those are really good. And then... Um, did you listen to their music before? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. So that's kind of how I discovered it. Mm-hmm. But um, And then completely off the off of that path, I'm reading um, the book called Brave Enough by Cheryl Strayed. Oh, yeah. And it takes um, all of... Cheryl's quotations or quotable moments from her other books, like Tiny Beautiful Things and Wild, right. and kind of compiles those. And so it's not really a narrative, I guess it's just kind of like a book of quotations, but okay. um, that's really good. I totally like 
highlighted a lot of her passages in her other books, and so it was cool to just talk in depth. Like, pull, yeah, yeah, pull them out and have it in just one place for me. So that's nice. Yeah. All right. You said you were. What were the other books you were reading? Uh, yeah, I have one more. Uh, the it's called the Caped Crusade. It's Batman and the Rise of Nerd Culture, and it's by um, Glenn Weldon. Um, I don't know how many other people listen to this podcast. But it's called it's uh, NPR's uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour, uh-huh. and uh, uh, Glenn Weldon's on that. He's their comic book uh, writer for the NPR, um, and I like him on there anyway. And I, I saw he read this book, and it was um, it's all about Batman's place in our culture. And nice. basically how um, people have viewed Batman and what how he's been portrayed in different comics and on the radio even and on and then um, TV and the movies uh, it just sort of tracks like from the very beginning where sort of Batman came from and what's interesting actually is that like he's become this sort of thing that um, can kind of go in every direction, but at the beginning, he was sort of a ripoff of a lot of other oh. of, um, superheroes, like the the Shadow and many others that were in existence long before I was alive. Right. But um, really interesting stuff. He like breaks down all of like every instance where he like first appears and when like Robin appears and all of this different stuff. It's really interesting, just in general. It's just sort of a interesting take on like American history through a Superhero, which is kind of an interesting thing to end up seeing, you know. Huh. I yeah. mean, I can see it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Right, and also in his the first time he ever appears in a magazine, he had um, purple gloves on, which is weird. <laughs> so it's I a like, little weird. I like to just uh, find that stuff out, you know. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. Um, well, speaking of nerd culture, uh, I am listening to the audiobook of Ready Player One. Which I've already read. I'd read the book. Um, and then we actually talked about it on the page to screen um, movie adaptation podcast. I was like, it's been a while. And I hear all these good things about the audiobook, which is narrated by Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Kind of a futuristic. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's. um. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> So I don't even know. Indescribable. Like it's like no. like imagine like a guy like Steve Jobs, kind of, sort of, like sort of a recluse, and he has this online world, and then he dies, and it's basically a big virtual game to kind of inherit his um, fortune. But he uses a lot of like eighties pop culture references as. Um, uh, like it, within you know the thing, because um, there was stuff that he grew up with. It's yeah. just it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It is. It's like exciting. It's a. I don't usually go for like a thriller, suspenseful book. Yeah, and it is. But it's like it's totally that. And you, uh, I know that's going to be a movie. Yes. In eighteen twenty eighteen maybe so. something yeah. like that. Um, and I am excited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I didn't... and and again, the the audiobook is is really really good. So I highly recommend that. And then the other book I'm reading um, is Catherine of Aragon, The True Queen by Alison Weir. Um, it doesn't come out until May, but we got an advanced readers copy. And I've talked before on the podcast how much I love the Tudors and Tudor history. So when this showed up, I was like, I totally geeked out about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, the author, Alison Weir, is a historian and has written, she spent like the majority of her career writing nonfiction books about 
the Tudors and, and British history, and then a couple years ago started writing fictional books about the same era. And this is the first in a series about the six wives of Henry VIII. So each wife is going to get a book. I'm, I'm very excited. Are they, are they based around any historical fact, or is it? Oh all, no, it's, it's, all, just it's all no, no. I mean, it's yes, it's, it's historical fiction. Okay, yeah. And because she comes from like a history historian background, she she knows her stuff and is cool. is good about sticking to the facts. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward. It's good. The first one is very good because um, you don't like when Catherine shows up in the Tudor timeline. She's already been married to Henry VIII for a while, and um, so reading more about her life prior to that, um, and then knowing that there'll be like five more books about the wives, especially the ones that people don't really talk about that much. Do they go in uh, chronological? I believe they're. I'm so like. Funny. Yes, I think so. I mean, I imagine they're going in order because she's starting with Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. I'm only about halfway through, so what I don't know is is if there will be overlap within the book. So they'll I don't reference each other. Or? Well, I'm sure they'll reference each other, but I don't know if like Catherine's book um, ends with a head chopping and right. Like the next I don't. Book well, begins she with that one. <laughs> from that one. <laughs> Well, Catherine did not lose her head. Didn't. She did not. This no. is evidence of how well I did in history class. <laughs> no, no. So she um, she was the one he divorced. The whole Church of England exists because he wanted to divorce Catherine Maragon and the Pope would let him. Um, so what I don't know is if the, her novel will like go through her whole life or if it will like stop when Anne Boleyn shows up and then the next book will pick up with Anne Boleyn. That I don't know. Mm-hmm. So right. I'll, I'll let you all know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the book. Uh, that's a good mix of recent reads. So this episode is kind of fun and special because it's April, which is Poetry Month. So we're going to be talking poetry today. Yay! We're all really excited. Please don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> I know. I think, I think that is a small concern. Because <laughs> we were talking about that before we started recording about how poetry, I think some people just maybe had negative experiences with it in middle sure. school or high school. and Yeah, I feel like most people have their first experience or one single experience with poetry, and they got a little turned off or worried about whatever... And didn't realize that it was it can totally be as accessible as necessary. Yeah, and then kind of make an overarching statement about all poetry. Oh, it's all like right. flowery and old and impossible to understand. Yeah, and it's all just feelings. Right, it's a lot of feelings. It's a lot of feelings. It's okay though. <laughs> poetry in general, Sometimes all the feelings. It is, it is every feeling. <laughs> Plus, I mean, you know, when you're studying it, you're always overanalyzing it, and you kind of. Right, it loses its magic. It loses the magic, right. yeah, mm-hmm. if you're spending all your time. What does this word mean? What does this phrase mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of just sort of reading it and taking away from it what you will. So, who wants to start talking about some poetry? Uh, yeah, I can start. I'm going to start with my, I feel like, the most accessible one, uh, book that just came out um, that I think is a good one to introduce to a group of people that maybe don't are a little worried about taking on this sort of topic, especially. And uh, I somehow ended up with two books with the word erratic in the title. I noticed that. But um, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Like, I, it, no one uses the word erratic in title, and then all of a sudden I have it three times it. in two titles. <laughs> uh, so I have this book. It came out in September. 
of last year, and it's uh, by Pasha Mala. I'm probably just ruining that name, and Jeff Parker. And basically, this is a found poetry book, um, and they went through um, quotes from professional athletes and took all, they'd be like, okay, this is everything that Mike Tyson said, and we're going to put it all together, and then uh, we can take out little bits and little sentences and sort of put them together in order to make um, a poem that sort of speaks to them um, in a way that, like, maybe they didn't mean to, you know, say, like, they're, they're saying more without, without meaning to say this, and it's, it's not really all said at once anyway, um, but, so they have, like, Mike Tyson, Allen Iverson, Larry Bird, Sean White, Carl Lewis, a lot of, like, big nice. name, um, athletes, uh, and then they take that and sort of arrange them in this really awesome way, and I'm going to actually read one of them, because it's, um, this one's the Anna Kornikova poem, and it's called I Am Beautiful, Famous, and Gorgeous. And here it is. I am beautiful, famous, and gorgeous. I have a lot of boyfriends. I want you to write that. Every country I visit, I have a different boyfriend. And I kiss them all. A court is like a scene. People want to see attractive people. I think that tennis is a ladies' sport. So we should look out there like ladies. It's true I always try to be seductive as possible. But I wouldn't be here if I couldn't play tennis. I'm like a menu in an expensive restaurant. You can look at me. But you can't afford me. The world believes all blondes are stupid and brunettes are smarter. Well, I disagree. Judgment is judgment. Whether you're obese or too skinny or not athletic enough, I think it's really important for me not to forget where I came from. I grew up a little girl in the Soviet Union playing at a small sports club. At this year's Open, I'll have five boyfriends. (laughs) You don't read that in school, huh? Right. (laughs) And I feel like uh, this sort of poetry, like, it really lends itself... To people who maybe aren't looking for that, I mean, maybe maybe I'm one of the few people that would um, have seen a lot of Allen Iverson games, but then also read a lot of poetry. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like it's a it's like a really interesting sort of combination. Yeah, yeah, you know, I do. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. The Mike Tyson poems are pretty much incredible. <laughs> but I th- and I think making it about familiar people like that. Definitely makes it super accessible as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's good about that. And you want to do one? My turn. All right. Um, so I okay. So I was kind of one of those people who thought I didn't like poetry for a really long time. And then um, when I was in college, I took a creative writing class, and it happened to be poetry. And I kind of realized that. I liked poetry all along. I, you know, I love song lyrics and I was always like mm-hmm. putting them in my AOL profiles and, you know, deciphering their meaning. And I don't know, like, I think we forget sometimes that a lot of things are poetry that we don't really label as poetry. Um, but I remember my professor um, made us read uh, Nick Flynn and um, one of his poetry collections, Some Ether which was amazing. It was like the gateway drug into poetry. And then I... I Literally. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I um, I read one of his memoirs, uh, Another Bullshit Night in Suck City. And it was really crazy. It was about um, one... Uh, he, was, uh, he was working in a homeless shelter in Boston, and his father actually came in and was one of the... Um, 
homeless uh, people. The homeless people there. Yeah. I was trying to think of a different word. Um, right. And it was just kind of about uh, that relationship. Um, it was really good. It was a good memoir. It was very poetic just because Nick Flynn is Nick Flynn. Um, and then I kind of started discovering it on my own, and I found one of my absolute favorite poets who was uh, Jeffrey McDaniel. <gasps> Yes. You love him I too? love him too. The yes. Forgiveness Parade is yeah. like one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually looking it up right now as you're awesome. speaking. <laughs> yeah. He's from um, University of Pittsburgh, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. But two of his favorite collections, or two of my favorite collections by him were um, The Endark- Endarkenment and Chapel of Inadvertent Joy. And I love him because he is so relatable yes. and he writes about relationships and just everyday encounters and he also writes about fatherhood and uh, as a new mother I have kind of read some of those poems in a new light um, kind of understand more about what he's talking about and kind of relate to that um, and I actually have a poem that I would like to read by of him <laughs> it's uh, called Air Empathy uh, and it's about a plane trip that he took and was especially relatable to me because I took my four-month-old daughter on a plane um, just a couple months ago, which was um, an exercise in courage. And <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So uh, here it is, air empathy. Uh, on the red eye from Seattle, a two-year-old in the seat behind me screeches his little guts out. Instead of dreaming of stuffing a wad of duct tape into his mouth. I envy him, how he lets his pain hang out. I wish I too could drill a pipeline into the fields of ache, tap a howl. How long would I need to sob before the lady beside me dropped her fashion rag, dipped a palm into the puddle of me? How many squeals before another passenger joined in? Soon the stewardess hunched over the drink cart, the pilot gushing into the controls, the entire plane, an arrow of grief quivering through the sky. I just really like that because I can just picture, like, this plane just filled with the weight of everyone's emotions just hurtling through the sky. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> I think it was uh, Lori Moore had this – it was either a quote or in a story. It was in a story, and she talked about how uh, before you take off, you have to um, convince yourself that, um, that you have nothing left to live for. And then as you land, you can, can like, you, that Remember, will get you yeah. through the flight. And as you land, you'll, um, you'll yeah. be able to, like, realize that you have so much in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I like nice it. to. Cool. That's nice. Good for us neurotics. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Like, most poets in poetry, I think, they just sort of, like, take a moment and then focus on that, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Describing it with the kid screeching and. Ooh, I have a good moment. One, I'll just use that as a great example now. There but, you uh, go. But yeah, no, I, I really love when a poem when a poet can sort of like take a moment of really like mundanity and sort of like say something without really like saying Same. something. Yeah. Yes. You know. So I um, this poem is actually from the third book I was going to mention. Um, it's from uh, Ada Limon. Limon. Okay. Limon. Um, and the book is called Bright Dead Things. It came out in October. Um, but yeah, she just she she's able to talk about really big subjects without like blatantly saying them while talking about something kind of small. And this is called mowing. Um, <clears throat> the man across the street is mowing forty acres on a small lawnmower. 
It's so small, it must take him days, so I imagine that he likes it. He must. He goes around each tree carefully. He has 10,000 trees. It's a tree farm. So there are so many trees. One circle here, one circle there. My dog and I have been watching. The light's escaping the sky. And there's this place I like to stand. It's before the rise, so I'm invisible. I'm standing there, and I've got the dog, and the man is mowing in his circles. So many circles. There are no birds or anything, <clears throat> or none that I can see. I imagine what it must be like to stay hidden, disappear in the dusky nothing, and stay still in the night. It's not sadness, though it may sound like it. I'm thinking about people and trees and how I wish I could be silent more. Be more tree than anything else, less clumsy and loud, less crow, more cool white pine, and how it's hard not to always want something else, not just to let the savage grass grow. Mm. I like that. And it's a poem about mowing a lawn. I know. It's really that's... accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I love that one. It's a good one. Yeah. So um, I was saying before, like I, I took creative writing in college and I read and wrote a lot of poetry, but my knowledge of more modern poetry is it's a little limited. Um, but one of my favorite poets is Adrienne Rich. Um, she did The Dream of a common language and and diving into the wreck and she has a her collected poems um like all of them is coming out in june which i'm very excited about um but she did this series um called the 21 love poems that appeared in the dream of common language and one of them the second one in the series because they're just numbered um like do you ever like read that poem and you're just like this is my favorite poem ever. You're just like, this is my favorite poem. Okay, this is my favorite poem. <laughs> Every time, this is my favorite poem. So, um, yeah, this is number two. I wake up in your bed. I know I have been dreaming. Much earlier, the alarm broke us from each other. You've been at your desk for hours. I know what I dreamed. Our friend, the poet, comes into my room where I've been writing for days. Drafts, carbons, poems are scattered everywhere, and I want to show her one poem, which is the poem of my life, but I hesitate and wake. You've kissed my hair to wake me. I dreamed you were a poem, I say, a poem I wanted to show someone, and I laugh and fall dreaming again of the desire to show you to everyone I love, to move openly together in the pull of gravity, which is not simple, which carries the feathered grass a long way down the unbreathing air. Yeah, pretty. I know. How did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you think of it and you're like, it's just beautiful words strung together. You I know. know? Uh, yeah. And the, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. They just make language sound awesome. They do. <laughs> they do. And then, like, you get into, you know, like, structured poems or form poems, which have all, like, the rules and such like that, and it's... It's like a totally other thing, and they're just like, how do you do that? I don't understand. Okay. Well, I guess I'll mention my other erratic book. Um, the book's called Erratic Facts. It's by Kay Ryan, uh, and it came out in October. Um, she is not a newcomer um, by any means. She's the laureate of the U.S. for in 08, and, um, 08 through 2010. Um, but this book, um, it does this, it, like, I think it speaks to what you were just saying, like, that like, you're able to just do something really cool in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. and this and if you looking through like the the poems in this book they're um they're really slender 
Um, they're not, they're, they're pretty self-contained. They're like one page mostly. Um, and uh, she just does a lot in these, without using a lot of words really even and, and not really having it be just so small and interesting. And there's like these little slivers. Um, and I'll, I'm going to read one again because I like reading poems. But uh, um, this book's called um, New Rooms. Um, and maybe I like this one because I'm, I'm moving into a house. So it made me sort of think in a different way about it. It's called New Rooms. The mind must set itself up wherever it goes, and it would be most convenient to impose its old rooms. Just tack them up like an interior tent. Oh, but the new holes aren't where the windows went. I like really brief poems like that. They just mm -hmm. capture um, a moment or a feeling. Mm -hmm. That was one of the ones I had, if I can find it, because I had it here a moment ago. Um, it's a... Uh, the poet is Rupi Kaur, and she... Um, listeners might be familiar with some of the stuff she's done on, like, Instagram. Um, she has a pretty big social media following, but she had a book come out last year, the year before, called uh, Milk and Honey. And it is a collection of poetry and prose about survival. And a lot of them are just, like, very brief poems like that. And she has illustrated them with very simplistic line drawings. But it, when you sort of, like, flip through the book, it's not structured in sort of a, a, um, a traditional way. So it really keeps you focused mm -hmm. and just sort of, like, looking at everything on. Um, but one of them, uh, what's the greatest lesson a woman should learn? That since day one, she's already had everything she needs within herself. It's the world that convinced her she did not. I like the um, kind of unconventional style. Mm -hmm. You know, I know like E.E. Uh, e. Cummings was really famous for yeah. doing, um, had like kind of the unconventional, non standard writing. Yeah, like just line experimental line. little. Yeah, yeah. very experimental and, and like. There was actually art in the way the poem looked you know, mm -hmm. on the page, not even just in how it sounded. Right. Um, there was a collection uh, that I found that I honestly just liked the title, and so I just read it from the title because it was called... That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was called um, The Spoons in the Grass Are There to Dig a Moat, and it was by Amelia uh, Martins, and her poems were really interesting because they were um, just kind of big blocks of text. They weren't um, the standard lines. Okay. And she she kind of weaves the domestic into the political. Um, like one of her poems, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but um, it was really interesting. It stands out. She was talking about um, how Jesus heard bees swarming underneath his porch. And then she dives into um, the Boston Marathon bombing and kind of goes inside what that was like. And then I think she she ends it by saying something like, Jesus knows it's, it's only a matter of time before the bees will want to come inside. Mm. And so she kind of just like bookended the um, kind of a political event with right. um, just something to kind of make you think. Yeah, no. I'm like, <laughs> she was really great. I think she, her collection just came out recently. I think in end of March. Okay. No, I hadn't heard of her before. I don't know if she's new or not. But well, thank you for sharing some of your favorite poems on our fun poetry National Poetry Month this episode. Was great. 
Um, yeah, we have lots of poetry on Overdrive, so people should definitely check out what is available um, to read. But moving on, there's always lots more books coming out. So what's everyone looking forward to books coming out in the future? Uh, well, definitely me dip, diving into the um, poetry world, maybe sort of look ahead and see what's coming out. So I, I actually do have a book of poetry that I'm really excited about. Um, Bob Hickok has another collection coming out in May, um, currently in May. It's called Sex and Love And. There's two ampersands there, which I like. Um, and it's I've gotten to take a look at a, at a advanced review copy, so obviously won't be reading from that or anything. But it was it's really great. It's about uh, monogamy and sex and sex and other, nice. more sex <laughs> and and and, um, and it's just it's really good. Um, he I've been a big fan for a while. Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of people know who Bob Hickok is. Anyway, if you don't, you should go pick up a book or two. Um, his collection that I really love is called Words for Empty and Words for Full. Um, and because I'm in a reading mood, I'm going to read one more. Because it's this, it's a poem from that. Um, it's called A Primer. I remember Michigan fondly as the place I go to be in Michigan. The right hand of America waving from maps, or the left pressing into a clay, a mold to take home from kindergarten to mother. I lived in Michigan 43 years. The state bird is a chained factory gate. The state flower is Lake Superior, which sounds egotistical, though it's merely cold and deep as truth. A Midwesterner can use the word truth, can sincerely use the word sincere. In truth, the Midwest is not mid or west. When I go back to Michigan, I drive through Ohio. There is off I-75 in Ohio a mosque, so life goes corn, 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 mosque, I wave at Islam, which we're not getting along with on account of the towers as I pass. Then Ohio goes corn, 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 billboard, goodbye Islam. You never forget how to be from Michigan when you're from Michigan. It's like riding a bike of ice and fly fishing. The Upper Peninsula is a spare state in case Michigan goes flat. I live now in Virginia, which has no backup plan, but is named the same as my mother. I live in my mother again, which is creepy, but so is what the skin under my chin is doing. Suddenly, there's a pouch like marsupials are needed. The state joy is spring. Osiris, we beseech thee, rise and give us baseball, is how we might sound were we Egyptian in April, when February hasn't ended. February is 13 months long in Michigan. We are a people who by February want to kill the sky for being so gray and angry at us. What did we do? is the state motto. There's a day in May when we're all tumblers, gymnastics is everywhere, and daffodils are asked by young men to be their wives. When a man elopes with a daffodil, you know where he's from. In this way, I have given you a primer. Let us all be from somewhere. Let us tell each other everything we can. I love him. He's great. I also totally know which mosque he's talking about. Yeah, me too. <laughs> 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 Right, but I feel one. like I feel like living in Cleveland in April. I really understand the what did we do? Yes, like, mm -hmm. want to shake my arms at the sky. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think like I like his poetry because he has like these very thought provoking lines, but then there's humor in there too, which kind of catches you off guard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. I love the autobiographical nature of mm -hmm. poems too. You yes. kind of feel like you 
once you've gone through a collection, you really know something about that person. Agreed. Agreed. When does that come out? Did you say? That comes out in May. May. So okay. pretty soon. Yeah. Um. So I the what I'm looking book I'm looking forward to is not poetry. Um. It's called The Romanovs. It is nonfiction. Um, given my love for the Tudors, it is probably unsurprising that I'm all like, yay, Russian mm-hmm. dynasty family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that covers, I think, the entire length of the dynasty from the like 17th century up through the, um, the last czar. So that should be, that should be a good read. Yeah. Annie? Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, the collection Certain Magical Acts by Alice Notley. Mm-hmm. So she won the um, Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize in 2015, which like is the prize for poets from the Poetry Foundation. So people love her. And um, I've heard her described as like sensory overload, mm. basically. <laughs> and I was reading the description of her collection, which comes out... Um, June 7th, so a couple months, and it's insane. It's um, just a mix of several longer poems. Apparently, they're like book-length poems. Oh, wow. And one is a kind of spy novella in which the author is a secret agent of the dead. Um, Then there's sonnets thrown in there. There's uh, one's an extended message found in a manuscript um, about a future world. <laughs> so there are really um, there. There's a lot to those. So, kind of looking forward to reading that this summer. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right, there's lots coming out. Good there's stuff. a lot coming out. There's a lot coming out. I know. Well, thanks guys for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you had fun. Hope all of our listeners found some. Maybe hopefully found poetry. Have a new idea of what poetry is, and be a little more eager. And willing to read it. So, all right. Um, Thanks for listening and happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.